1: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
2: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, John. You with us as we talk about the tense situation between China, the U.S., and Taiwan. John, there are 62,000 U.S. citizens in Taiwan. Most of them have dual citizenships between the U.S. and Taiwan. Why does China care about one more person, albeit the Speaker of the House, going to Taiwan?
3: Well, this is uh, the heart of the matter, is because uh, China considers Taiwan to be a province. And so they don't want to see anyone, particularly American political leaders, visiting Taiwan, giving it prominence, maybe recognizing its independence, although American leaders have been trying to be very careful since the time of Jimmy Carter, not to imply that Taiwan was actually a separate independent country, but they don't want anyone to anyone from the outside to try to give Taiwan any kind of recognition that it's nothing more than just a runaway province from the mainland. And so that's why someone like speaker they wink as you said, there are other sixty four thousand Americans in Taiwan are not a threat uh, and don't bother the Chinese as much as Nancy Pelosi, or when President Biden says several times that he thinks the United States would defend Taiwan if it were attacked by China.
2: We have a de facto diplomatic mission in Taipei, the capital of Taiwan, almost like an embassy, but not quite. I mean, so we're there.
3: Yeah, this is a thing. This is a problem that came up when uh, the United States made the final push to win the Cold War. We'd, we had recognized actually Taiwan and uh, the Chiang Kai-shek government as a legitimate government of China, even after it had lost in the Civil War. And then, remember remember Richard Nixon, people said, only Nixon could go to China. And Nixon did go to China because Nixon and Kissinger wanted to get China on our side against the Soviet Union, which was a successful strategy. But the price was, in order to get the Chinese on our side, to recognize China, we had to uh, accept that Taiwan was not a real country. But as you say, in a lot of ways we do. We have a diplomatic mission. We sell Taiwan weapons. If Taiwan were really just a province of China, what are we doing selling them weapons? It's as If China were selling Florida weapons.
2: And I remember so, what opened that door up between China and the United States. Ping-pong diplomacy. Remember that? Yes. Unbelievable times. Well, is China seriously... Th- I mean, we've heard all kinds of things, that they could shoot down Pelosi's plane. I mean, what kind of crazy talk is that, John?
3: Yeah, I don't think that's what China is going to do. Uh, that would be, I mean, that would be basically an act of war to shoot down uh, basically, you know, the number three person in the line of succession to the American presidency, the leader of our Congress.
2: That's an assassination.
3: Yes. That, I, I think that's people just being alarmist. Uh, you know, I could. I could see maybe even people within the Biden administration or in the military leak that because they want to discourage Pelosi from going. Uh, unfortunately, I think that kind of talk also is going to make it hard for Pelosi not to go because she doesn't want to look like she was Bad- discouraged backing down. From going because of the Chinese government or because leaks from the Biden administration. She's the Speaker of the House. Why shouldn't she be able to go if she decides?
2: Is this her idea to go in the first place?
3: I I think so. I mean, I think the I think the Biden administration would love it if she didn't go. They don't want any more of a spotlight to be put on Taiwan. I think they're very worried that uh, China might react in, in a negative way. Now, not shooting down Pelosi's plane, but they could start harassing Taiwan more. They could even do something worse, like interfering with air traffic or even shipping blockades to Taiwan. Yeah. yeah, Taiwan's right off their coast. We're the ones who are thousands and thousands of miles away from Taiwan. And, you know, China has a large and growing navy uh, that could try to you know, blockade. As you, you mentioned, the Cuban Missile Crisis, right? They could try to put up a blockade sure. around Taiwan.
2: We have seen how tough the Ukrainians have fought the Russian soldiers. Uh, the number I hear is that there are 75,000 wounded or dead Russian soldiers already in the Ukraine. Are the Taiwanese troops that good, too?
3: Well, you know, the Ukrainians have surprised everybody, uh, except themselves, of course. That they surprised not just the Russians. They surprised the Biden administration and a lot of Western Europeans. I really sure. admire their fighting spirit and their ability, given that they are such a material disadvantage there. I think Taiwan uh, is similarly at a disadvantage, but there are a lot of questions about just like there were questions about Ukraine, we don't really know. There are questions about how well Taiwan's armed forces would fight. They haven't had to fight a war since they were treated across the Taiwan Straits after they lost the Civil War. And so we don't know how well the times of – if you read uh, reports and studies, it suggests that uh, Taiwan is not ready for the kind of war that you would have to fight, You know that the and that the Ukrainians are fighting in against Russia, where you're fighting – for every you know square mile where you're fighting in the cities, you're fighting urban warfare, and you even fight back into retreat into the mountains. You know, Taiwan is a mountainous island. Uh, people, you know, Taiwan's a wealthy country. Uh, they might be, they might not have that kind of fighting spirit. Nobody knows. Also, Taiwan needs to really upgrade its armed forces, not with the fanciest technological weapons, that what they need to do a lot buy a lot of mines and missiles, because China. The hard thing for them was they would have to launch one of the largest amphibious operations in the history of mankind to get across that strait with a large army. Yeah. Extremely difficult, and the best thing that the Taiwanese could do would be actually to rely on old fashioned weapons, like lots of mines, like lots of missiles, rather than buying the latest American jet fighters.
1: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff in my new podcast series, cold blooded.
0: It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it.
4: From iHeart Podcasts,
2: With the Chinese, how did they advance as quickly as they did? I mean, you you remember back during World War II. I mean, they were like sticks and stones. Mm. And now they're as competitive as anybody. How'd they do it?
3: Well, there's a reason why a lot of their advanced jet fighters, why their new aircraft carrier, look a lot like American ones.
2: because Because they probably are. Yeah.
3: No, no, they... Because they have been engaged, and this was true even at the time I was in the Bush administration, they have engaged in what one, uh, you know, one general called the largest theft of technology and intellectual property in the history of mankind. They have stolen a lot of our military secrets and used them to construct their own, their own you know, top-of-the-line uh, aircraft and so on. Now, the thing is the Chinese have not actually done that well when they've actually had to fight. Uh, you know, they they fought us to a draw in the Korean War, but according to some estimates, they suffered a million casualties. I mean, they suffered a million dead or wounded in the Korean War where the United States didn't even, you know, it was much, much more, we were below 100,000. They had a terrible war with Russia in the 60s. They had a terrible war with Vietnam. They I mean, they have actually have had a track record of being pretty hostile, more like to their neighbor's. But they've not done that well in those military conflicts. They actually have tended to be like the Russians. They've tried to use sort of mass attack, you know, human wave attacks is what we saw in the Korean War. And so we don't know. They've spent a lot of money. They've upgraded their technology. They're competing with us in cyber, in space, in a lot of the new frontier, frontiers of war. I wrote a book about this called Striking Power, which you kindly mentioned, about high technology and new weapons. But we don't know a lot about the morale and fighting skill of the Chinese army.
2: Well, with John Yu, John's website, of course, is linked up at com. He's got several books. How many books you got now, three plus? (laughs) I just published my tenth, so... (laughs) Wow! See, you haven't been on the show in five years. (laughs) I think I got
3: three done in that five-year period.
2: (laughs) Do you think conflict with China is inevitable?
3: You know, that is the toughest question. George, I like to think that just like the United States and the Soviet Union, even as as you mentioned, you know, we worry about the future for the next generation. We worry about the tensions and the instability. When you look at it now, historians call the Cold War actually the long peace. There was no great power war from 1945 to 1992 or 1989, whenever you want to end the uh, Cold War. Hopefully the United States and China even if they're rivals even if we're competitors we're going to reach some kind of system some kind of modus vivendi some kind of understanding that will prevent conflict because uh, you know the Chinese China and the United States are are the two most powerful countries in the world we have the largest economies China's military is growing fast as we come closer and closer to ours it would be a disaster for the United States and China to actually go to war with both sides having large nuclear arsenals, hopefully we'll be able to come to an understanding about where our interests should not be allowed to come in and cause any kind of direct conflict, just like happened with the United States and the Soviets.
2: Do you have any concern, John, that somebody, be it Russia, China, will use a nuke?
3: I do. I, I think you pointed that out. I mean, you said, I think quite rightly, you know, in terms of nuclear... War worries. You know, this is the, maybe one of the worst times since the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's a different kind of concern, though. I think back with the Cuban Missile Crisis, the U.S. and the Soviet Union almost did come to blows. Luckily, both sides stepped back from the brink. The problem now is not that. The problem now is that more countries are getting nuclear weapons, and we don't seem to be able to stop them. North Korea has nuclear weapons, and is one of the. It is, I think, the worst regime in the world, which are. You know, where basically one-tenth of the population terribly oppresses the other nine-tenths of the population. And you have a, basically, I think, a very unstable leader there who's got a nuclear arsenal. And then, as you mentioned, the Iranians, uh, you know, sort of a revolutionary country that really wants to upset the order of things, is getting nuclear weapons. And then you have Russia and China who also have a desire to change the world and the, the, and the rules that the United States built. To the much to the world 's great benefit to russia and china 's benefit, but those two countries have large nuclear arsenals, and they are you know the fancy term is revisionist powers. They want to change the way the world is they want to change the rules, make themselves more powerful you know we 're going to have tension and we're going to have right, we 're going to have friction with those countries and if it ever does come to a conflict, they're the more powers more nuclear weapons. No maybe there could be an accident, or maybe somebody could act irrationally. I, I, I agree with idea It would be terrible for the world, but the odds definitely seem to be higher now than they were say, at the end of the Cold War.
2: I wonder where that doomsday clock is pointing now these days, John.
3: Hmm. Yeah, the bulletin of the American scientists, I haven't seen it lately, but if they still were doing the clock, it's probably
2: higher close. now than
3: it was 20 years ago. closer so too. to midnight than it was 20 years ago.
2: What if Nancy Pelosi said to the Chinese government, okay, I'm not going to go to Taiwan I'm coming to Beijing to spend a weekend. (laughs) That's a great idea. (laughs) It really would be.
3: (laughs) Although, you know, they might test her for COVID. She may never get out of the country.
2: That's true. (laughs) I may keep (laughs) her. Tough situation. I I, I don't know what's going to happen. I I cannot bet on this one. Can you?
3: My prediction, it's hard to predict. My guess would be that the Chinese are going to complain a lot they're going to make threats but they as you point out assassinating the speaker of the house you know, trying to militarily interfere with a trip is is a serious step i don't think the chinese will do it i think their long-term strategy is and has been let's keep growing let's keep growing our economy let's keep adding to our military and eventually we will just take our rightful position where we won't have to fire a shot We'll eventually Get Taiwan, just like we got Hong Kong, we don't need to have a destructive war, which is unpredictable. Could lead to the overthrow of the Chinese Communist Party and President Xi. Why risk all that when they think time is on their side
2: anyway? We saw a couple of years ago the uh, conflict in Hong Kong where a lot of people were very upset over the Chinese taking over. Could that happen with the Taiwanese too? Maybe.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's partially what the Chinese are thinking. I think, as you've pointed out, they're looking at a lot of the recent events that have happened in the world, and it's giving them more confidence. So they, they saw the, ter- the failed withdrawal in Afghanistan. They see a kind of lukewarm support for Ukraine. And they saw basically a lack of reaction about Hong Kong. Nobody sanctioned the Chinese economy over Hong Kong. It's too large and important. Right. No, no Chinese leaders were sanctioned because of Hong Kong the way that we've been sanctioning the Russians, and we certainly didn't send arms or weapons to Hong Kong. Uh, so if you're Beijing, why not see how far you can go with Taiwan? Maybe a lot of what the United States is saying is just bluster. So that's actually one way Pelosi could help things. That's one way Biden could help things. And this is a lesson we get from the Cold War and the Cuban Missile Crisis, as you point out, is we have to be very clear and mean what we say, and say what we mean, not be sort of ambiguous or vague, because when there's unclarity, that might encourage uh, uh, Beijing to take risks.
1: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.